Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, my minions. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. And welcome to all of our affiliate radio stations across this great land of the United States. This is what we call the balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. You will pay homage to me for the next two hours as I will guide you through the crazy world of sports. And it is crazy. And, you know, last week I erroneously said that Notre Dame was number three. But, of course, I was just given a fortune because they are now really number three. So, uh, Matthew Embry standing by in our balanced green room. Going to be talking with us about the college football rankings in Notre Dame. Big shakeup in the quarterback position there. We'll be talking about that. Also, got some NASCAR action to talk about with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. And uh, we've got our NFL talk with uh, Ed Kratz beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with the Sports Exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash Eagles. Going to be uh, walking around the NFL. And Mo for the BS Sports Show joins us today as well, talking to us about our betting lines, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. Tonight. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. 
Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. My name is Tom Mark Michael, President. Hey, 917-889-8516 is our digits if you want to jump in the chatter. Joining us now is Matthew Embry uh, from up in South Bend. And I always mess up these call letters because I'm going to have to put me a sticky note there. But uh, the South Bend uh, area where he's already got snow. Matthew, how are you, sir? Real crazy week so far. Uh, big first of all, before we get going, a big congratulations to the Mishawaka Cavemen, our affiliate, high school affiliate. They are now in semi-state. They get a chance to qualify for the Circle City uh, Thanksgiving weekend if they can find a way to beat Fort Wayne Bishop Winger next Friday. So easy a caveman can do it, right? I take that as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, we got a lot of shaking up going on at the quarterback position in Notre Dame. Uh, obviously, uh, Bucker's out, uh, and so uh, talk with us a little bit about what we know coming out of South Bend, uh, Notre Dame campus this week. Well, the ball's back in uh, Brandon Wimbush's corner, isn't it? Uh, Ian Book is out. Uh, it's been classified as an upper body injury. Uh, the expectation is he will be back for the Syracuse game when they probably will need him, considering Syracuse could be ranked as high as 10 uh, when they get to Yankee Stadium uh, next Sunday or Saturday. So an absolutely huge opportunity here for Brandon Wimbush uh, to hold the fort against uh, a Florida State team that uh, we don't know. Uh, Florida State looks like they have quit in certain games. Uh, defensively, this is not a good team, but potentially uh, this could be a team that could do some damage against a Notre Dame team that maybe feel a little bit of pressure uh, knowing that 
even one loss and anything from a perfect record, they're probably not going to make the college football playoff. Well, absolutely. And, you know, they're at number three uh, right there with Alabama and Clemson. Uh, all three of them uh, 9-0. and All three of them looking to run the table. Obviously, with your Alabama, with strength of schedule, and because they're Alabama, uh, they're always going to be number one. And it's certainly a good opportunity uh, uh, for them to fight for that number two uh, slot. Uh, but certainly, uh, uh, no, uh, uh, Florida State Simples uh, having a rough year, and and it would certainly uh, be a huge win for them and a huge loss for Notre Dame. Yeah, Dan, let's break down the X's and O's. Uh, Florida State at the uh, no, uh, at Notre Dame uh, should be a relative. You would think on paper should be a relatively easy game for the Fighting Irish, but as you mentioned before, the Florida State Seminoles uh, just might uh, play the shakeup game uh, uh, for Notre Dame. Well, keep in mind, Florida State has nothing to lose at this point. Uh, one more loss, and they are not bowl eligible for the first time in ages for them. So looking at that scenario, they have nothing to lose. But uh, remember, they're from Tallahassee, and there is snow on the ground, more snow potentially expected by game time. We're talking a temperature in the 20s. So Florida State's ability to adapt to that, I think, is going to say a lot of whether this game is close or this game becomes a blowout in favor of the Irish who, despite, yes, uh, not having the better passer uh, behind center, they have a guy, Brandon Wimbush, who is definitely a running quarterback threat uh, to the levels of, say, you know, some of the greats in the game, like the Eric Crouches from Nebraska or the Antoine Randall-Ells of Indiana. Well, absolutely. And, you know, haven't heard that name in a while. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll certainly see. We'll be watching it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the college football rankings uh, that are now out. College top, uh, we just kind of re- really round out the, 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 the top ones that really matter the most. And that's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan number four, Georgia number five. Uh, let's, uh, let's start this at, at the top. Like I mentioned earlier, all three teams are 9-0 and uh, and uh, are, are – are, uh, Notre Dame is three and zero away, and at home five and zero. And uh, Alabama, well, they're just Alabama, and uh, but of course on top of the day. So Notre Dame wins, Clemson loses. Does Clemson go down? Notre Dame move up. Thing is, though, I don't know where Clemson's going to lose another game at this point because the ACC just is strout with weakness. I think the team that could have beaten them is already off the schedule or past them already, and that's Syracuse. Uh, I think right now the scenario is perfect for Clemson. Uh, as long as they keep their nose clean, they should have no problems uh, getting to the college football playoff. I mean, they put up 77 points last week. And uh, against Boston College, uh, I expect uh, at least 40, if not 50, uh, for Trevor Lawrence and company uh, coming up uh, later today. Well, let's kind of go through the games here. Again, 917-889-8516 if you want to call in and talk some uh, college football but let's kind of through some of the games on deck today that really maybe matter, or, and we'll kind of look at uh, just some teams that a lot of people are looking at. Let's look at uh, the Big Ten, Wisconsin at number 20, Penn State. Uh, not a lot to, to talk about their game as far as college football uh, uh, playoff committee goes, but certainly uh, teams like Penn State are bowl eligible, so we can't, you know, we we got to be looking and talking about ben, uh, Big Ten championship also. Uh, are they going to be playing on New Year's Day? Or are they going to be playing in another bowl? Uh, so certainly a, a West, uh, Penn State has to uh, keep uh, winning, and Wisconsin might uh, do a little bit of damage for them today. Well, these are certainly two teams that have fallen off the radar. Uh, they were both soundly beaten by Michigan. 
Granted, it was at in Ann Arbor, but neither team looked like they really could hold the candles with Wolverines. Uh, this game is at where? Is it at Beaver Stam or Camp Randall? Uh, it is in at Penn State. That means Beaver Stadium. I think you could give the edge there based on that for the Nittany Lions, but it could be a very close game uh, between two teams, like I said, that uh, have fallen on hard times here the last few weeks. Well, another team we're not talking about, the college football playoffs anymore, and that's Ohio State, number 10 Ohio State. We could actually be seeing uh, the end of the Urban Meyer legacy there at Ohio State. I think a lot of people subscribe to the theory that Urban Meyer is going to be going on to other things. We don't know what that other things will be, but he's certainly not playing uh, the kind of Ohio State and coaching the kind of uh, stuff that we're used to with Urban Meyer and Ohio State Buckeyes in the past. They they visit Michigan State, uh, Michigan State number 18, uh, the Sparties number 18, here again, we're talking about uh, uh, not if you play in a bowl game, but which bowl you'll play in. And so certainly Ohio State has got to beat Michigan uh, State just, just for pur- purposes of morale, morality, if you will, uh, to, uh, to, to keep the train moving. Well, right now, the last two weeks, I think it's been pretty clear that Ohio State has shown a careless attitude. I mean, they were absolutely thumped by Purdue. Uh, they had the off week. They played horrendously against Nebraska, although they managed to beat Nebraska. That's a game that should not have been that close. And I have a feeling they're going to have a struggle again uh, unless Dwayne Haskins uh, can get things together and get this offensive gear. I think, once again, uh, Ohio State is going to have to fight for their life to get another victory against a Michigan State team, again, that's fallen off the radar, but is potential for pulling off the upsets, especially when you have a guy like Mark D'Antonio as uh, your head coach. Well, you know, you talked earlier about I uh, don't know if Clemson could – if there's a team that can uh, – that, that Clemson can't can't lose, I guess is what, is what you, you basically said. They play Boston College. Let's uh, look back early on in the season. I know it was early on, and I know you won the game. At the end of the day, Boston College – played Notre Dame very, very well. Boston College has some weapons. Boston College is rated number 17. Maybe a lot of people think they should be rated just a little bit higher than that. Certainly, we, we think they're, they're going to be in a bowl game. Again, which bowl game? But this could create a huge chaos for number two, Clemson, if they, are, if they suffer a loss today against Boston College. Well, Notre Dame didn't play Boston College this year. They played them last year, and it was uh, a one-sided battle, which uh, obviously doesn't say much. But uh, Steve Adazio's team's gotten a lot better uh, over the year. Uh, not a great performance, though, last week when they lost and dropped down, down to the polls. But uh, I think for maybe a quarter or two, they can give Clemson a run. But again, Clemson's defense and uh, that offense is just too good in this game, and I think Clemson's going to win it by at least 20 points, if not 30. So we've got Kentucky Wildcats down at Tennessee Volunteers. Kentucky, you know, uh, as we mentioned last week uh, uh, on the show last weekend with Mo, Mo says Kentucky hasn't been ranked since God was a kid. Uh, so Kentucky Wildcats against Tennessee uh, Volunteers. Uh, Tennessee not used to being in this position that they're in this year. So I think it's uh, going to be a relatively easy task for the Wildcats. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Kentucky at Tennessee? Tennessee's been a lost uh, soul for the last three years. I think you could even push it even further back to when Phil Fulmer was ousted. Uh, this is not the same Tennessee team uh, that was challenging for national championships in the BCS era. Uh, Kentucky's look good, but uh, their offense, I think, really needs to pick up the pace. I think the pressure needs to come to Terry Wilson to have the big game, be able to get out of trouble, make those key passes to where 
it's not necessarily uh, all about Benny Snell at running back. I think you saw last week against Georgia, Georgia put 8-9 in the box, trying to force Snell to beat him. He couldn't beat him on his own. Terry Wilson was had his problems throwing the football. Uh, I think right now Terry Wilson can't get the job done. Uh, you never know. Maybe Kentucky looks and sees, uh, maybe give another player a shot at that quarterback spot because they need to find a way to get their passing game involved. Because they just, although, granted, Betty Stell is one of the best players in college football right now, Tom. He can't win a game on his own. You know, uh, we'll talk about Alabama and Mississippi State just because it's Alabama. They're, number, they're ranked number one. They play today. It would be a huge, major uh, earthquake if uh, Mississippi State found a way to beat Alabama. Don't see it happening, but talk with us a little bit about Mississippi State at Alabama today. Well, one thing we need to do with Alabama is we need to stop giving all the credit to Tua Tagovailoa. I think the defense warned them that game against LSU because they gave Joe Burrows fits all game long. So it's not just, you know, the offense you got to stop for Alabama. you got to find a way to beat their defense, and LSU couldn't do it. And I just don't think uh, Mississippi State's going to be able to do it either. I think Alabama wins this game handily again. South Carolina, Florida, Florida ranked number 15. Uh, as as we saw uh, earlier this year, uh, Florida, Kentucky had a really good game. Florida's a good team. I, I, I expect that they will, they will beat South Carolina home there in the swamp, but what are your thoughts? Florida is a mixed bag. I mean, they had the bad performance against uh, in the cocktail game. Uh, they had the bad performance against Kentucky. I think last week, didn't they almost lose to Missouri or somebody? Mm-hmm. Yep, I believe you're so, right. I mean, the consistency is not there. Now, granted, it's a first-year coach. You have a brand-new starter in there at quarterback. But when you don't have a time to learn things. You've got to be able to get the job done right away, and right now it's not happening for Florida. Uh, South Carolina, I think, is in the same kind of mess under Wolf Muschamp right now. I think that's a guy right now, if you're looking at coaches there on the hot seat, I think Muschamp's name comes to mind at South Carolina. But uh, ultimately, uh, I think Florida finds a way to win this game, but it will be a tight uh, battle between them and the Gamecocks. Well, you talk about another tight battle, really, it's just going to be a, a rivalry battle, and it doesn't really matter where the rankings are in this particular game. And when we look at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State at number six, Oklahoma, yes, Oklahoma is ranked number six. But at the end of the day, it's an all-out bloodbath between these two teams today at Oklahoma State. If either of these teams, and I keep rapping on this, Tom, you know it darn well, if either of these Big 12 teams would learn to play a little defense, I think we'd have a clear winner in this game. Uh, I mean, this game could go in the 40s and 50s. I think it's going to be a shootout the whole way. But if one defense gets the clue that if they could stop, pull a stop, they could win the game for them, I think that will be the first team to win. So I think this game is definitely a toss-up. You know, we've got another Big Ten matchup, one that really doesn't matter for, for much of anything unless it, there happens to be an upset. Don't see it in the cards here for Rutgers at all. Rutgers does host uh, Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines are come in. They take care of business. They just keep checking boxes. Uh, certainly, uh, they, they're doing a lot better than what I gave them credit for, so I'll take ownership for that at the beginning of the year. Uh, certainly, I no longer think that Jim Harbaugh would be on the hot seat. That, uh, that, that conversation has sailed, uh, but at the same time, uh, Michigan Wolverines still have lots of I don't see them get to a national championship I don't see them getting into the playoffs uh, but certainly uh, they've got to keep checking these boxes off 
They need what you call the statement victories. They need to put up a lot of points against Rutgers. Because I think right now the committee has made it clear they want two SEC teams in the top four. So if Michigan does not win handily in these games or in the Big Ten championship, I have reason to believe that they will jump Georgia ahead of Michigan, even if Georgia were to come apart against Alabama in the SEC championship game. I think right now that is the scenario so you talk about being able to win convincingly and blowing teams out. That's Michigan's job today against Rutgers, no doubt about it. If it's close, they give the committee reason to put them down and put Georgia up to number four. Well, that was a bit of my next game. We go to uh, uh, number 24, Auburn at Georgia. Let's say they both win. What happens? Depends on the point spread, and I hate using that, but unfortunately in this Las Vegas era where point spread and how you, bad you beat opponents means something, if Georgia blows out Auburn and Michigan has their pawns against Rutgers, I think there will be a swap in the next poll coming up on Tuesday where Georgia moves up to four. Well, that would be interesting, especially with, the, with that battle for that number three slot uh, with Notre Dame going to be hanging on to it. Obviously, uh, we, we'll see how Florida State plays them, look for them to at least maintain their position at number three, if not have the possibility of uh, moving to number two. With that number, uh, that number three, number two, number four slot, is is a is a revolving door at this point, and I think that's where we're watching a lot of uh, stuff to come together for the college football playoffs is in that number three, number four slot. So uh, we'll see how that that pertains because I think, as you mentioned, Michigan wants to make that statement win uh, to to hold on to that number four, if not eke into the number three. And then what do you, what's going to have to happen there with with Notre? You got to ask what's going to happen with Notre Dame or Clemson. So it's about to get good. The drama is about to to happen chaos we, we, we root for chaos this this uh this time of year uh matt so let's talk a little bit about northwestern uh, certainly northwestern we went into the season thinking that hey this is a pretty solid team pretty bold team a lot of people thought that that would be your number four team uh, in the college football playoffs at the beginning of the season did not happen they've kind of fell off the rails but number 21 uh they uh, uh visit iowa which is ranked number 21 the hawkeyes I think we could have a scenario here if Northwestern keeps winning where we have an unranked team for the first time in a long time getting to the Rose Bowl uh, because obviously the Big Ten champion gets that spot. Uh, I'd be very surprised if that were to happen, but uh, it's almost fitting because, I mean, beyond you know, the top couple teams in, say, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, uh, beyond that there's a lot of mediocrity, and you've seen it. I mean, Northwestern uh, – Really, if not for the block punt, Northwestern really was never in it against Notre Dame last week uh, where they were in a position to threaten them. And uh, I think you look at Iowa, who's coming off a very poor performance against Purdue last week. Uh, This, again, is another toss-up game. But I think if you talk about teams that need this game, I'd say right now for bold positioning and to, you know, remain relevant, maybe an outside chance to get into one of those New Year's Six games. Uh, Iowa, I think, badly needs this game today. Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. We'll have to see what happens. The other Iowa team, ranked number 22, ironically, uh, 21 and 22, both uh, slots go to an Iowa team. Iowa State hosting Baylor Bears. Uh, not a lot to talk about, not a lot to see here, but yeah, yet again, we're still uh, talking about uh, a, a team that wants to, to be relevant uh, in, in the bowl games this year. So uh, Baylor at Iowa State. If Iowa State wants to stay as a relevant threat in the Big 12 as they are going to be, these are the 
type of games they've got to win handily. But I think Baylor, with nothing to lose, uh, could give them a run. But uh, Iowa State, I think, finds a way to get this game, but not in the convincing style that I think people would prefer that they would win it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, nothing's more dangerous than a team with not, nothing to lose that can play spoiler, that's for sure. Uh, well, Washington Florida State's State. in that same realm against Notre Dame, don't forget. Absolutely. Well, and, and then we've got uh, Washington State at Colorado. And, and this matchup is intriguing because we are talking about teams that want to remain relevant. And we, uh, it seems like Washington and Washington State just doesn't get the love they need. But number eight, Washington State at Colorado. Talk about teams that have blown up the last few weeks. Colorado came in 5-0. and They came in. They were absolutely throttled against Washington, and they haven't won a game since. And I don't think they're going to be a, much of a threat to Washington State, even though Washington State did show a few chinks in the armor against uh, Cal Berkeley last week. They were able to get the victory. Uh, Colorado is not the team right now. This is a team that looks lost in action right now in the point of no return, and I think at this point, uh, Washington State, if they have their wits about them, they should easily win this game without much difficulty. Another team I've been enjoying watching this year is the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. TCU visits uh, uh, the Mountaineers there in West Virginia. West Virginia is a solid, strong team. A lot of people might say that they deserve to be ranked a little bit higher than number nine. Uh, but nonetheless, been a fun team to watch. TCU, again, not quite doing what we thought we, they were going to do at the beginning of the season. Uh, more people are talking about uh, West Virginia Mountaineers than the RTCU, but this could uh, have a potential to be a pretty good game today well i think right now if you're talking heisman trophy race uh, west virginia's quarterback who is one of the favorites he's a name that's mentioned a lot as far as being the heisman trophy favorite right now uh, another big game from him today uh, against tcu and i'd say he still stays in the running for a chance to win that heisman uh, coming up in a few weeks Got a couple of the late games. Oregon State at Stanford. Again, Stanford not really doing what we thought they were going to do at the beginning of the year. They're not ranked right now, but they're still a lethal weapon, and I don't know that Oregon State can stop Stanford at home. Stanford, I think, right now needs to get their act together and get finished strong this season. I think uh, if they continue to have their problems, I think another day, you talk about guys that are on the hot seat looking to 2019, I think David Shaw's name at Stanford is going to be another name that's going to pop up, but a team, again, Oregon State's really struggled. They had a chance to really do some damage last weekend when they were close and they couldn't seal the deal against USC. Um, I just don't think this is an Oregon State team capable of giving uh, Stanford a run. But like I said, Stanford's a team that certainly needs to turn it around because you talk about guys on the hot seat looking into next year. I think David Shaw's name is starting to get up there if they continue to struggle. So a couple more late games uh, before we wrap it all up. Put a bow on it. We got California. I mean, Col- I'm sorry, Colorado State at Nevada. Uh, not a lot to talk about here unless you just want to stay up late and watch football. And maybe put more money on this game. But what are your thoughts? He's a battle for in the Mountain West race right now. But again, Nevada, I think should easily win this game. Colorado State, just like their uh, sister team, Colorado, has also come out hard times recently. Been unable to win games. Uh, Nevada should win this game without too much difficulty. UNLV at San Diego State. San Diego State should win this one as well. UNLV, another team that I think is disappointed here over the last few weeks if you're looking in among the non-automatic qualifiers. California at USC. I think JT Daniels is starting to figure it out, but is it going to be enough to beat a Cal team that's actually looked pretty good and feisty the last few weeks? Uh, 
if USC does not bring their A game, I think Cal Berkeley can knock them off. So uh, a quick uh, peek into the uh, IndyCar uh, funny season. Anything uh, new, any news, breaking news, anything that we need to know about in the IndyCar as far as during the, the funny season goes? Well, Ed Carpenter, obviously, no Puzzies Vodka next year. We're hearing rumors now that also uh, Verizon may be out as a sponsor for Team Petsky. So that's a couple things we're looking on into the new week and seeing uh, if new sponsors come out or anything announcements come into play for either Ed Carpenter Racing or Petsky. I mean, all the lineups are set as far as driver-wise, but uh, sponsorship-wise, uh, things are looking a little bit uh, iffy at this point. Matthew Embry does dual roles for us. He also our official IndyCar contributor. I had not heard of that Fuzzy's Vodka was out as a sponsor. Carpenter, that's huge news. Uh, thanks for letting us know that. Do we know why that is? It just economics or what? Uh, this is uh, time to move on, or whatever the case is at this point. Uh, you know, uh, Fuzzy Zeller's looking at other opportunities uh, to pull the brand right now, and uh, that may be part of the deal. Uh, yeah, because they've been a major partner with Ed Carpenter Racing since 2010. Uh, it's hard to see them go, but uh, again, uh, things can't last forever with some of these things, and death is imminent, and this partnership is done. I think uh, based on that, if nothing changes, I think you're going to see a lot of the uh, preferred freezer polar bear uh, in the garage area, paddock area for a bunch of these races, because I'm assuming that's the spot that's going to step up. That's crazy. That's crazy. Even more crazier is what you said about Verizon, uh, as far as Verizon leaving Penske. Now, that is going to be something like, looking like naked cars in the, uh, on, on the track. We're so used to seeing the Verizon cars. The Will Power drives a, a Verizon car, took it, uh, a Verizon car to win the Indianapolis 500. Uh, do we know why that's happening? Well, remember, Verizon's no longer the title sponsor of the series, and you wonder if their interest is dipped because of that. Um, so they said initially they're going to continue backing Team Pesky, but it looks like now that may be changing, uh, that they're completely getting out of the sport of IndyCar racing as not a, only a title sponsor, but as a team sponsor as well. Well, we're going to get into some NASCAR talk uh, with uh, Steve Wilson here as soon as he, uh, he jumps on here. Do you want to stay or stick around, or will people find your pieces, sir? Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. And for those of you in the South Bend area, 96.1 WSBT, our coverage of Notre Dame, Florida State, starts at 2 p.m. with our Encore broadcast, The Brian Kelly Show. Then game day with Evan Sharpley and Tim Growl from Ivy Court. If you are in the area, stop on by. It's your last chance to see a live show because this obviously is senior day. And then game day sports beat from 4 to 6. And then we joined uh, Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan on the Notre Dame JMI Network. And we wrap it all up with Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks. And we should also mention big thank, congratulations to Sean Styers who won the AP Award for Best Radio Broadcaster of the Year in Indiana for 2018 for his broadcasting coverage of the Mishawaka Cavemen. And uh, big congratulations to him uh, on his great work uh, with the Cavemen. We appreciate it, brother, and we'll talk with you soon. Anytime, Tom. Thanks. Matthew Embry, uh, talking some college football with us also, our uh, official IndyCar contributor. Interesting news to hear that uh, Fuzzy uh, Vaca is uh, parting ways with uh, Ed Carpenter and the possibility that uh, Verizon is going to be leaving as a title sponsorship with Penske. But we're going to be talking NASCAR in Phoenix, and we are getting ready for another round of playoffs in NASCAR. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, joins us next right here on the Bell Radio Network. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance rolling right along on a Saturday morning. Thank you to Matthew Embry. Our, our does a dual role for us. He uh, talks, uh, helps us get into some college uh, football talk uh, and understand what's going on with the college football games, obviously based up at South Bend uh, works for the flagship station of the uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish. 
who finds himself in the number three slot, a very slippery slope, uh, three, four, two, Clemson, uh, Michigan, four. So we'll see what happens with that with Michigan today and the rankings between Michigan and Georgia. Uh, with Georgia playing Auburn, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, but joining us now is Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, uh, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, how are you, sir? Are you with us, Steve? Steve, can you hear us? Well, it looks like we lost him. Hopefully we get him back here. We will effort to do that. <laughs> we have the segment already and all lined up. Seven eight nine eight five. So hopefully uh, we get uh, Steve back here in just a moment. In the meantime, let's talk a little bit about, oh, we do have him back. We hope, we think, fingers crossed. Steve, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well if my phone would not disconnect on me this morning. <laughs> Got to get rid of that Obama phone, Bubby. <laughs> so uh, did you make it through Election Day? I know it's it's kind of crazy. It was crazy down there in Virginia. Aren't we glad that Election Day is over for the most part? I mean, no matter which side of the fence that you fall on, I think both sides won a little something. It was no red wave. It was no blue wave. But my God, am I ready? was I ready for that Election Day to be over with? Well, eventually, the day after, most of those people, they're already campaigning for 2020, so uh, you don't really get rid of these people at all. Well, talk about campaigning. I tell you what, uh, in the truck series, we have us a spot in Miami. Uh, talk with us a little bit about last night's race. Obviously, uh, Phoenix is where, the, where, where we're where we're at this weekend, uh, but Moffitt wins the truck race. Uh, it certainly does everything but steal his uh, spot at Homestead. Yeah, Brad Moffitt went on to win his fifth truck series win of 2018. Um, he, he, he battled a lot of tough trucks up there and threw some adversity throughout the entire race. Uh, those last couple of restarts uh, finished uh, starting out there in the second row and Grant Enfager just uh, wasn't able to put this thing together. Uh, he was up there for some points in the race. He gave chase to Noah Gregson and uh, John Hunter Niemczak and others that had been out, uh, uh, Harrison Burton, that were all out there leading at various points in the race. Uh, Enfager needed to win this event. Uh, I had, uh, I had that caution probably not come out. For John Hunter Nemechek uh, spinning out there in front of uh, Infinger, we may be talking a different story today, but uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, Brent Moffat went on. That little team, Hattori Racing, that uh, runs with uh, limited sponsorship, limited uh, funding, limited um, uh, uh, resources as a whole, has come out this season, and he, they have battled against some of the giants in the series, the GMS Racings of the world, the Thor Sports of the world, who won't be represented this year in the championship, um, Kyle Busch Motorsports, and others, and uh, they've put up a heck of a fight, um, winning uh, on a, a fairly consistent basis, putting, uh, putting all the things together that they need to put together and locking themselves into a championship chase uh, next Friday night at Homestead Miami Speedway. Well, we're in the round of four 
Truck Series. Uh, talk about the other uh, relevant names right now. Brett Moffat, obviously, as we just talked about. Uh, Justin Haley, we've talked about a couple of uh, times uh, th- this month. Uh, and certainly, uh, Johnny Souther and Noah Gregson. Uh, as we look at the at the round of four, certainly still looks like a pretty solid run for uh, Justin Haley. Yeah, last night their their truck uh, unfortunately suffered some failures in that race and put him out. Uh, you know, he had already won the week before, so you know, there was no problems or issues with him by going out early. However, I just think he's got a tall order at this point. He's won the two races that he's won, both uh, last week uh, and uh, at Canada were due to other other issues or other people having issues uh, in in these events, uh, such as running out of fuel with a half a lap to go. Uh, we saw pretty much the same thing happen both in Texas and in Canada this year. Uh, he, he's he's going to have a very tough uh, path to the championship, and that you know no way negates the effort that he put in throughout this entire 2018 campaign. But his wins and, and and his runs have come as part of other people's issues, and uh, he he he's he's going to have to get by Johnny Sauter. He's going to have to get by uh, Noah Gregson. He's going to have to get by Brett Moffat. Um, you know, at, at the two strongest ones I see right now, both Sauter and Moffat, and those those two are are going to be the ones I think we have to watch next weekend. But you know, Justin Haley, if if he's there, if he's running in the top two, top three, uh, maybe the it, it, maybe lightning strikes three times and somebody runs out of fuel or somebody has an issue with a half a lap to go and he's the one that becomes the championship. I mean, the champion in 2018. Well, certainly uh, we're excited to see how that, that happens. A little uh, other news inside the truck and Xfinity Series. Uh, Chevrolet will update the body for the Camaro SS and the NASCAR Xfinity Series next season. While the Silverado uh, uh, in, in the Gander Outdoors, formerly Camping World Truck Series, uh, still going to have to wrap my tongue around that, yeah, for 2019, will be uh, redesigned. Uh, the manufacturer announced the, the changes uh, Friday morning at, at, at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, so for the Camaro SS, it will be the third update since its debut in the Xfinity Series in 2013 in the Silverado. will go under its very first update since uh, 2014. So thoughts on that? It's long overdue in the truck series. Uh, you know, we've we've really not had these consistent updates like we've had in both either the Xfinity series or the um, Monster Engine NASCAR Cup series. Uh, the truck series sometimes they're the last ones that you know are are getting these updates. Uh, and Toyota is the only one that has been very consistent on keeping up and uh, changing their bodies, changing different styles of the trucks. Uh, Ford has lacked behind there at the same time. We've seen some new stickers here in the last month or three. Um, but, you know, aside from that, the truck series seems to be forgotten from some to some aspects and to some extent. Uh, you know, these are branding opportunities for these manufacturers, and they need to go out there and they need to stay consistent with this no matter the series, if they're going to support the series. I, I've just, you know, I've just not seen the manufacturers aside from Toyota in, in the Camping World Truck Series um, put a lot of effort into this. I'd like to see them put more effort into it and put some effort into it. Like, and I'm not saying that they got to put the same kind of effort they put in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, 
But I would like to see more consistent effort in the truck series. I would like to see these trucks become more boxy like we've seen in the past. Uh, not that these trucks don't already produce really good racing, but I think a well, more boxy vehicle um, that has to push the air out of the way uh, in the capable truck series. I think, you know, we could see something spectacular. And, and maybe, you know, these, these three manufacturers, Chevrolet and Toyota and Ford, can get together like they did in the Cup Series and design bodies for these trucks going into the future and, and be more consistent on the generation of trucks that we run in. You know, for go four years without any kind of update to the body for Chevrolet, that's a really, really long time uh, in, in the evolution of vehicles these days. As far as the Camaro, the Camaro is consistently changing because of the fact they've been at a disadvantage to some points um, in, in the cop series and, and since they've been bought in. I mean, Austin Dillon won the Daytona 500, but, uh, you know, in the cup series, they've been at a bit of a disadvantage since they've introduced that. Uh, the Xfinity series, if it's not a JR Motorsports team, they've, the Camaros have been, again, at a disadvantage to some degree. And, uh, I think uh, GM and NASCAR are trying to find the sweet spot so that they can compete with the Mustang and they can compete with the, the Camry in, in that series. Well, we move on into Phoenix today, uh, Xfinity Series. Uh, today, 3.30, uh, the round of eight. We look at Cole Custer, got a pretty solid, and his Ford got a, a pretty solid hold on the number one spot. Tyler Reddick, Elliott Sadler, Daniel Hemrick uh, uh, round out the top four. And then, you know, at the line there is Justin Algar, Matt Tift, uh, Christopher Bell, and the only other Ford in the, in, the, in the field of eight is Austin Chronic. What are your thoughts on the field of eight as we go into Phoenix in the Xfinity Series? Look, Cole Custer winning last week at Texas solidified himself going on into in Homestead in the, you know next week uh, or a week from today. Um, I, I, I think the battle for them is, is again, it's a JR Motorsports type of battle in that series. Elliot Sadler holding on to this, uh, you know, trying to stay in, trying to keep his chances alive here in 2018 as he as he retires. Um, Justin Allgaier, while has uh, various good runs this season uh, has lacked in, in these championship events or these playoff events, uh, you know, which have put him into this hole. Uh, I, I think, you know, they will come out and pro- try uh, and prevail. Justin has run well at Phoenix in the past, but uh, I, again, I think we're, we're going to be battling two teammates against one another. Sadler's trying to stay in. Justin's trying to get in. Uh, you know, with with these drivers, it's you know Phoenix, Phoenix as we saw last night. Um, you know, we've we've not seen the same Phoenix uh, now that they've reconfigured this track. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting, and restarts are going to be key for everybody into this. I think if anybody, Cole Custer did did the MRN uh, booth last night, and he said uh, at the end of the conclusion of the event was that he learned a few things. He got to see some of the things that these drivers were doing in the truck series and what was working, what was it, and he learned a couple of things into this. So um, now that he's seen these uh, drivers and he, he's gotten the cover from that aspect, um, yeah, just watch out for Cole Custer at the same time. I think, you know, he's just trying to add some more points to board heading into Homestead. 
Right, absolutely. Cole Custer is going to be a tough one to, to beat. I, you know, I wonder what happened to Daniel Hemrick. It looks like his his shots for a championship uh, is 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 gone. But Daniel Hemrick at the beginning of the year was on fire. One of those drivers where just couldn't quite make it to the uh, finish line, no pun intended, if you will. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, obviously behind Elliot Sadler, as you mentioned, going to be retiring. It'd be a great opportunity for him to get up there if he could do that uh, for his, his final season. But certainly Elliot Sadler has a, had a great career, and it's, you know, as, as he talked about at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, that we talked with him about, that he uh, it's just time for him to, to hang it up for, for uh, family reasons. But Daniel Hemrick just seems like, he became uninspired here in the last half, or does it just feel that way? Um, well, you know, Richard Childress Racing, if you go back and look over the evolution of Richard Childress Racing, you look at both their program in the Cup Series and their program in the Xfinity Series, um, they have not competed as well as, as we've seen Richard Childress Racing as a whole. Um, you know, and that, that goes to Ryan Newman, too. Um, that goes to Daniel Hammer. That goes against the entire program over at RCR. At one time, and back in their heyday, you know, them, uh, them and Hendrick Motorsports, uh, they were they were the ones that they went out there, and you had to beat them every single week. However, I think to be honest with you, this Camaro body uh, has, and, and I mean, we're seeing the same thing out of Hendrick too right now. Uh, uh, the Camaro body that are on these, and it kind of alludes back to what I was talking about earlier, these bodies have not been able to compete. They've not been able to compete and match up head-to-head against either the Toyotas or the Fords that are in, in the field. Next year, when the Mustang comes into the Cup Series, the Chevrolets are going to be at a disadvantage yet again. Um, unless they make some drastic, drastic changes. Um, seems like the horsepower, both that Ford is producing and Toyota is producing, the aerodynamics on these cars are, are superior to the Camaro in both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series at this point. And, and I think that goes to the point of why Richard Childress Racing, even to some degree where we saw Hendrick Motorsports, um, you know, they're, they're not necessarily at the top of their game um, these days either. Um, both teams run well. Both teams are run solidly in top 15, top 20, top 10 uh, on a week-to-week basis. But we just don't see the domination like we do with the Stuart Haas Racing, who right now, aside from them, and, and uh, Toyota with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and their affiliate Furniture Row Racing, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that go out there every single week, and they're the ones that are running in the top five. They're the ones filling up the top ten. Um, you know, last week, I think at one point we had eight Fords in the top ten. Uh, Talladega, same deal. When they finished the race, I think there were six or seven Fords in the top ten, uh, you know, three Toyotas and maybe one Chevrolet. So, I mean, the breakdowns right now between the manufacturer and the disparity between them, um, I don't think it so much goes to the driver because I think the driver is just as hungry to go out there and win these races and, and perform well and be in the top three, top five, top ten. But the disadvantage to both the, 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 the car, the Camaro at this time, and the horsepower differences obviously uh, are, are obvious at this point in the season and has been obvious over the, the entire season. I mean, Chevrolet has won – 20-some-plus, nearly 30 manufacturers' championships. 
many of them, you know, dozens in a row. Uh, this year, that's not going to be the case. Chevrolet is not going to be at the top of the top of the heap this year. It looks like it's going to be one of their counterparts. Uh, so, you know, I don't think Hemrick is uninspired. I don't think that he's. Uh, I don't think Ryan Newman is uninspired. I don't think the people over at Hendrick Motorsports are uninspired. I just think that you know the the car that they are driving at this point just is not able to go head to head in many of these competitions against their counterparts, either in Toyota or Ford. Well, we're going to move on into the big boys, the Monster Energy Series at Phoenix. We're also moving into the round of eight. We'll get into that in just a moment. But defending champion Martin Truex Jr. has got some issues in the tech, can't get it figured out, lost a crew chief. Issues continue to, uh, Steve, continue to plague uh, tech in the, in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Saturday at ISM uh, Raceway, the number 78 of defending uh, series champion and playoff contender Martin Truex Jr. failed tech three times before finally clearing up tech on the fourth try. As a result of the failures per NASCAR rulebook, Blake Harris, the, car, uh, the, the crew chief uh, for the team, was ejected for the remainder of the race weekend. Truex will also lose 30-minute furniture row racing team announced recently that it will cease operations at the end of 2018 season due to the inability to find funding for the team. Truex and the crew chief, Cole Perrin, We'll move up to the number 19 car owned by Joe Gibbs in 2019. Out for Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, Martin Truex Jr., they were already in a hole to begin with. They've they've just been able to keep it just above the cup line um, some way, somehow. Uh, and, and throw on top of not only that, but Kevin Harvick is now only three points above the cup line after they were hit. With, uh, with penalties following their win at Texas Motor Speedway when the spoiler was found to be two thousandths of an inch off of uh, compliance. Um, so, you know, they, they took points away there. Uh, his automatic bid to, to Homestead was negated. Uh, and, and you know, you, you throw these two drivers into it, and it's just not Martin Truex Jr., it's not, it's not Kevin Harvick. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams this year that NASCAR continues to crack down. They continue to, to look at things that, you know, these teams are doing. For example, we, we've just seen in the past couple of years of the teams flaring out the sides on the cars. We've seen teams that when the crew goes over the wall, that the tire changer of the jackman will put his knee into the door to change the aerodynamics on the doors. NASCAR has caught a lot of this stuff and, and is continuing to catch things. Um, you know, so uh, it, it's, it, it puts a lot of these drivers at a disadvantage. And when you run at the level of competition that you're running at in the Cup Series, um, Every little bit counts, and I mean, I get that teams are going out there. They're trying to find the gray areas in the rule books. If they're not trying to find the gray areas in the rule books, they're not doing their job. On the flip side, if NASCAR isn't catching them, then, you know, they're not doing their jobs either. So I I think this is – we're just going to see these penalties begin to increase. We've heard teams ask for these penalties to continue to, to be found, and increase and be levied against the teams, and uh, you you you're seeing you know you're you're seeing teams going out there and doing what they have to do, but at the same time they're getting caught at the same time. 
So um, Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna have a tough road come up tomorrow. He's gonna have to start at the back of the field. Kevin Harvick, um, for his efforts and his uh, loss of Homestead uh, bid, automatic bid points, and being three points above the cut line, well, he's going to start on the ball tomorrow, right over uh, uh, Chase Elliott. So look for him. He's he's come to he he's been a driver that in the past that he's had to come to Phoenix to win and get into Homestead. Uh, started from the pole, and guess what? Last time he started from the pole. At Phoenix in 2015, he won that race. Well, we got a, just a, a few more things here but before we got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. Joey Logano got a solid lead in the number one slot in his number uh, in, in Ford car. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., as we just talked about, Kevin Harvick, and then below the line, Kurt uh, Busch, Chase Elliott, Ar- Eric Armadilla, Ar- Armadilla, Armarella. <laughs> I always have a problem with that name. And Clint Boyer. Uh, the round of eight as we go into Phoenix. Uh, Joey Logano looking good. Yeah, I mean, he, he's looked pretty good this this past weekend. They've had some speed. Um, they've, they've continuously done well on these intermediate-style racetracks. Um I think he's going to he's going to have some competition uh, where he's going to be part of this competition bid. This is a story that we're going to tell tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I, I think he'll just tangle right up in there with Chase Elliott, who is also fastest. <clears throat> excuse me, also fastest uh, in, in the first round, second round of uh, of qualifying yesterday afternoon, and then Kevin Harvick obviously on the pole. So between those three, uh, you may see somebody enter into this like. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting congested. Like uh, Danny Hamlin, uh, um, he he's come to this event in the past and won this event. But uh, I I think Fords are going to prevail at this point. Fords seem to be at the top of the chain. The Penske Racing guys of uh, uh, of uh, Jay Logano seems to be the one that uh, he he's he's leading the banner for them. Uh, slightly over uh, Brad Keselowski and Ryan Blaney. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm I'm congested. I'm telling you, bro. And, uh, I'm going the, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so so for those guys, I, I, Magano is looking to win. He's looking to go to Homestead and win uh, a championship down there. Um, will his fight? Uh, he 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 may have a fight on his hands once he gets to Homestead, just because of uh, you know uh, he's irritated a few drivers out there in the field these past uh, couple weeks and couple of months. Um, could they get him back this weekend at, at, at Phoenix? Um, maybe, but I, I think uh, they're going to make it tough for him next week at Homestead, regardless of the fact, no matter how fast he is. We're going to let you uh, get take care of that, Kajesh. Uh, I've been dealing with it all week myself, and even on the show last week, it's something going around. It's that time of year. Uh, but uh, certainly where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter and uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. Look forward to it, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. Get yourself feeling better. Thanks a lot. You take care. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway uh, Digest. Uh, like he's uh, going through the same thing that I've been going through. You know, I want you to take just a moment here real quickly, and we're going to get this up on, on, on Facebook. Uh, you know, some of you may be familiar with No Shave November. Um, I, myself, and the balance of what we're doing is No Shave November uh, to raise money for testicular can- cancer, which is a 
huge uh, undetected thing with young men. And, you know, my son, a, a quick story, my son um, went through that recently and we had to, he had some surgery and we had to have that removed. So when you see our, uh, when we see the, as post that most shave November, just go on there, click every little bit helps. Uh, we don't get any, any part of it. It goes straight to, to uh, the organization raising money through Mo, Mo November, No Shave November, uh, to get uh, to find a cure for testicular cancer. My name is uh, Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. 917 is my digits. We'll be right back with, hopefully, Ed Kratz. Uh, we're standing by for him. Um, we're going to be talking some NFL right, na- right next. That's true. 917-889-8516. Tonight, I just want to take you away. So you National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling! 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to The Balance, 917-889-8516 is our digits if you want to call and chat with us. Uh, so we're efforting to get, uh, we're efforting to get uh, Ed Kratz on, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Thank you, man. I, I, there for a minute, I thought I had something going on in my ears. What's going on? Thanks to Matthew Embry on the first part of our hour talking college football with us as well. And uh, thanks to uh, Steve Wilson for talking some Speedway Digest with us. My name is Sal Marcos El Presidente. We're going to regroup and be right back right here because I've got some – sounds like we're having a little bit of issues. Be right back. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Welcome back to the balance. We're all regrouped and ready to go. I had something fucking going on in my ears, but that's okay. Uh, Ed, you were running a little bit behind, so it all it, it cancels each other out, kind of like election day this past Tuesday. <laughs> How you doing, Ed? Hey, I'm great, Tom. How you doing? Man, aren't we glad? Are great. I feel a little bit better, man. I tell you what, I was Good. dealing with that chest cold all week long, and I think it's finally starting to. Yeah, uh, thing, uh, fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. But aren't we glad that yeah, I don't care what side of the fence you land on? Uh, but aren't we glad that election day is over with? It was just beginning to get insanity with the, all the ads, and I, I'm not kidding you. I think there was one point where it was literally between here locally with Joe uh, uh, Joe Braun and Mike Donnelly. Every other ad 
for the entire commercial break. It was getting old, brother. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm, yeah. I'm done with it. <laughs> I hear you. Um, it, was, it was the same here in Philadelphia, man. That, and and the ads are so ugly and so attacking mm-hmm. and just, yeah. you know, the I, I don't know when it became so, you know, just so contentious. Uh, these ads are just horrible the way they attack one another. Well, it's just the environment that we're in. But the great thing about it is sports is and still an escape. Uh, I know that uh, sports tries to push its way into politics, but we will try to keep that to a minimum here at this show. Well, uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, at, at, with the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles, is where you can find his work and and masterpieces as well. We'll get to the Eagles here in just a moment, but, you know, certainly we look at Thursday's game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, came out with a statement that says, hey, we're back. Yeah, how about it? Uh, and Le'Veon Bell is not, and the Steelers just keep on rolling right along. Um, but we all know how this ends with the Steelers, right? They end up playing the Patriots in the playoffs, and they lose because they can't beat Tom Brady. So, you know, until they figure that out, they can win all these games against uh, whoever, 52 to whatever, and let's see them measure themselves against the Patriots if it comes down to it. But right now they're looking, uh, you know, like one of those teams in the AFC on the rise, um, along with the Chiefs and the Patriots, and um, I don't know who else there. Maybe the Texans? Texans are playing well. So uh, right now the Patriots, that was a statement win to beat a team like the Panthers that I think had six wins going into it. Uh, and to stop them like they did, that's pretty impressive. Well, a lot of people are, are saying, or, or and there's conversations that uh, Cam Newton's in line for an MVP. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know about that. Um, I, I, you know, I think there are certainly, you know, more candidates out there. And uh, <clears throat> losing that game against the Steelers on the nationally televised audience, that's not going to help his MVP candidacy at all. And it doesn't look like they'll be able to catch the Saints. So I don't know how you would give it to Cam Newton if he doesn't win that division when you got Drew Brees sitting right there who's having a, a tremendous year himself, and so is his team. And, uh, you know, I think Cam pr- probably top five in the MVP, but he's not a, he's not the uh, clear-cut MVP in my opinion. I, I would not vote for him at this point. Well, and I totally agree with you. I tell you what, though, you talk about the Saints and Drew Brees. I mean, I know they were really excited to, to sign Des Bryant, but it appears that uh, – He's uh, torn his uh, Achilles during practice, and uh, just just after signing this deal with the Saints, uh, man, how big of a how big of an injury is this to Des Bryant? How big of a punch in the gut to the Saints is this? Well, I don't think. Well, I don't think to the Saints it's really that big of a deal at all. I mean, they're you know they were all systems go without Des Bryant, and they thought, well, maybe he can make us you know a little bit better, give uh, other teams something to game plan for, but. You know, I don't think for the Saints it really matters one bit what happened to Des Bryant. They'll be fine without him. Uh, on Des's side, though, it's a it's a huge blow. I guess he just wasn't meant to play this year, uh, the way it shook out. And you know, him being, I guess he's around thirty now. I'm not quite sure of his age, the exact age, but I would think it's around thirty years old. And uh, you know, an Achilles is a is a tough injury to come back from. It can be done. It happens quite a bit. Um, but uh, for a wide receiver who, you know, wasn't really good at getting open and getting separation uh, on two good Achilles, now he's got to go through a rehab and come back and, and try to find a way to prove people wrong that he can get separation from other defensive, defensive backs. And I don't know, it could be the end of his career. 
I know he'll probably try to come back just so he doesn't go out this way. You know, we're seeing it with Darren Sproles in Philadelphia. He had multiple injuries that ended his season. In the same game last year, he was 34. He didn't want to go out on the injured reserve list. Uh, so he decided to come back. It hasn't gone very well for him. But, you know, I think Des will try to come back as well. Uh, but right now he's a member of the New Orleans Saints. And if the Saints win the Super Bowl, you know, he'll get a cut of the playoff money. He'll get a Super Bowl ring if it comes down to it. And, uh, you know, that's something he's never had. So he can just sit and watch on the sidelines after his surgery and rehab and see if he can make it back. You know, it looks like there's a bit of a rift between Marcus Peters and Sean Payton. It uh, seems like uh, that there's a, a bit of contention there. What are your yeah, uh, well, I mean, Marcus Peters hasn't really played like the Marcus Peters they hoped they were getting in the offseason when they signed him, signed him to a big contract. Um, so, you know, McVeigh's kind of calling him out and wants him to play better. And really, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I mean, Marcus Peters needs to do his job and play better. So, uh, hopefully he takes it like a professional and can go out there and, and prove that he was the Marcus Peters that he was in Kansas City. You know, the thing he's known for is, is, is getting turnovers and making interceptions, and that's what he did in Kansas City, and that's what made him kind of that impact player. But he hasn't done any of that in L.A. So McVay maybe just be trying to, you know, find a way to motivate him to get him to play the way he did before he joined uh, L.A. Well, certainly I know that the Philadelphia Eagles has got to be happy they don't have to deal with Des Bryant anymore. But you do have to deal with the Dallas Cowboys this week. Let's go into the land of the Eagles, if you will. You've been there all week getting ready for this big game, this big rivalry, this bloodbath that always happens between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. What say you, sir? Well, this will be, I mean, just to give you an idea of the rivalry, this will be the hundred and. Uh, 15th meeting in the regular season between these two teams. Uh, they play each other twice a year, but, you know, that's, that's history right there. This will be the 10th time in a row that they've played a game against each other on Sunday night football. So, uh, you know, this is usually a big ratings winner uh, for the Sunday night football audience. Um, and I would expect it to be again, even though these teams are both kind of still trying to find their way after eight games through the season. Uh you know, there's been a lot of talk in Dallas about this being a must win, but, you know, they're three and four. But, you know, you look at Philadelphia, they're four and four. They've only played one division game, and that was against the Giants. They have five of their next eight games. Five of their last eight games are against the NFC East. So, you know, if they can make hay inside the division, they should repeat as NFC East champs. There hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since the 03 04 seasons when the Eagles did it. Uh, it's a long time ago. So they're kind of bucking the odds, but uh, this will be a good game. This will be, you know, that Dallas, you, you might say they're desperate. I thought they'd have played desperate last week at home against the Titans, but they really kind of laid a big egg there. And I was surprised by that. I thought they would play better, but maybe they'll play better this week being a rival uh, in the Philadelphia locker room this week. There's been a lot of talk about how everybody hates Dallas. You know, Jason Peters uh, doesn't talk very often in the locker room, but he came out this week and, you know, pretty much said he doesn't like the organization. He thinks they're very arrogant. Uh, Lane Johnson, who's a little banged up at right tackle, and we'll see how he does. He's questionable, uh, and he'll go against Demarcus Lawrence, the defensive end with six and a half sacks for Dallas. Uh, It's a big ask for a healthy tackle, yet alone someone like Lane Johnson who has an MCL sprain and a high ankle strain and, you know, all these different injuries. Uh, But he's going to uh, go against Lawrence, and he said that, you know, he doesn't like the whole America's team thing. He doesn't know how it got started. I mean, you have a Dallas Cowboys franchise that, hasn't won but two playoff games in the last 25 years. So, 
you know, to call themselves America's team when they really look more like the Cleveland Browns uh, in some respects uh, has a lot of the Eagles players kind of rankled in the locker room this week. But what it did, it maybe it gave the Cowboys some bulletin board material, and uh, that'll motivate them even more to play play this game. Well, let's go across enemy lines. Let's talk about them Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, Jerry Jones, very outspoken owner for the Cowboys, came out this week and said, hey, I'm keeping Zach Prescott. He's going to get an extension. Uh, he's, he's, he's all in on Zach Prescott. What has Zach Prescott got to do uh, to – I mean, obviously, we, we want to – between you and I, we want to see the Eagles win this game. Uh, but at the same time, I think that the Cowboy fans want to see something different. Uh, Zach Prescott is the uh, appointed general to the team uh, from Jerry Jones, and he basically said this year he's going to get an extension. He's our quarterback, and he's here to stay. So, uh, Zach Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, what are they got to do to beat the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, you know, I think Eagles fans would love for Jerry Jones to give Dak Prescott a contract extension because they don't think Dak Prescott's that good. And, you know, frankly, he has to play better. He had a terrific rookie season, obviously, 23 touchdowns to four uh, interceptions. But he also had Zeke Elliott run for an NFL high yards that season. And, you know, Zeke hasn't been able to get on track. Their offensive line uh, is really kind of the culprit in that. Uh, They were terrific couple years ago when Dak won the MVP or the rookie of the year and Zeke had all those yards but uh, they haven't been the same they fired their offensive line coach uh, two weeks ago hoping that would give them a boost I'm not sure it has Uh, but that line it all starts up front and their line has not been good on the offensive side of the ball and uh, they need to get that kind of squared away in order to have any kind of success and with the Cowboys the success starts with Zeke Elliott if he's not running the ball then that puts a lot of pressure on Prescott and I just don't think he's the kind of quarterback that can win a game all on his own. You, you see him make some very, very bad throws in game that uh, aren't even close to their intended targets. Uh, so I'm not, I, mean, I think he's a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's that next level quarterback uh, without help that can take this team to the next level. But Tom, it all starts up front with the O line. They got to get that fixed. I like what they do on defense. They're, you know, one of the top five defenses in the league. They're not giving up more than 18 points. Uh, per game, which is really good, um, but you know, it, it's two sides. You got You're playing well on defense, but you have to get that offense revved up. The Cowboys aren't really good at scoring points, and now they're coming into the link, a, a very tough environment to win in uh, against an Eagles defense that will be fired up uh, to play them. So, you know, I, I think this will be. I think the Eagles will win this game pretty comfortably, uh, but uh, you know, Dallas. They need to get that O-line fix. I don't know where you go for an O-line fix at this point in the season either. Well, let's kind of walk around the league here. Obviously, we're going to, we'll hop on over here to the AFC South. My Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you know, Indianapolis had a bye. They've got some people healthy. Uh, they're starting to fire on, cylind- on all cylinders. They're starting to get their act together. Uh, and uh, so excited to see the new energy with the Indianapolis uh, Colts, uh, certainly on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it's very schedule-friendly for them over the next few weeks uh, to pick up some serious wins. And, you know, it's not out of the question to, to look at them at maybe if they could check these boxes off and just do business and go to work and get, get these uh, needed wins that they should win. It's not unexpected to think they might get some sort of a wild-card spot. Yes, it's a long shot. Yes, that's something that we want to see but at the same time I think that the Indianapolis Colts are in a very unique position to uh, make an emergence or a comeback if you will a very much needed comeback this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars 
Yeah, the Jags are, are really struggling. They're they're coming in off of you know the bye and uh, you know being in London and uh, having that extra rest. And uh, you know I, I think they're going to have Leonard Fournette back, which will help the Jags. But you know the Colts, yeah, they're right there. I mean, if you can find a way for the Texans to stumble a little bit or the Titans, um, you know, and then some other teams and you know in the other divisions, maybe the Colts can sneak in there. But you know, that's really looking big picture. You really have to look week to week with them and, and see where they are. And, and, you know, after four weeks, you pick your head up and see where you're at. And, you know, if they win, that's all they can do. That's all, that's all they can do at this point is just win games. And they lost a couple ones uh, games earlier in the year by, you know, just a handful of points. And, you know, you hope maybe you learn from that. So the next time you get into a real close game, you can kind of pull it out, kind of like they did with the Raiders. I mean, that was a tie game late and then they made some plays and were able to pull away from the Raiders out in Oakland. Um, so, you know, I, I like what the Colts are doing. I love the way Andrew Luck is playing. I, you know, I think Frank Reich uh, has done wonders uh, with that offense and the way he has handled Luck. I think he has, what, three touchdown passes and yep. maybe four or five straight games, which uh, it's remarkable when you think about that. And outside of T.Y. Hilton, if you're not living in, you know, in, in the Indianapolis area, you may not be able to name any other receivers on that team outside of T.Y. Hilton. So I love the way Frank Reich is handling this offense. It's a mature approach to the offense. We saw what he did in Philadelphia. I really think he was integral uh, in this Eagles offense, averaging 28 points on their way to the Super Bowl last year. This year they're only averaging uh, about 20 down difference. So you can point to Frank Reich maybe as being a reason for some of that. Uh, But I just think the Colts, future is, is is really good for them um and i just think that if you can find ways to win these close games over the next month uh then you see where you're at and maybe you do can uh maybe you do squeeze out a wild card either way i think that there's a lot of optimism and enthusiasm in that locker room if they don't make it they're going to be so pumped up for next year and they're going to have a, an off season where you know they're all going to want to work out together they're all going to want to be together uh because they know if their future is bright and, and that'll just motivate them going into 2019, but we're not done in 2018. Maybe they can squeeze out a wild card spot, which would be great experience to get into the playoffs for them. Well, absolutely. You got to look back in the season. I think everybody likes Frank Reich, but, uh, and why do I have such a brain fart, but we could have had a tie, a tie's a loss in a lot of ways, but maybe it would have came to help us at the end of And uh, I don't think that Frank Reich, uh, is, is, too worked up. I mean, I know people are still talking about, hey, you should have went for the tie. That should that would have made things different on the on the end. And I don't know why I have a brain fart on who, what team that was, but either which way, the, the the talk was we should have settled for the tie. Yeah, I, you know, I don't mind the aggression, and I can't think who that was against either. Um, but you know, I, look, the aggressive uh, personality the Texans, coaches it was today the Texans. we saw. It was the Texans. Texans. I'm sorry. That's right. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, you know, maybe that helps them, I guess. I don't like ties. Um, but uh, I don't I don't have a problem with the aggressiveness of a, of a head coach. I know we saw the Titans try to go for the win uh, in London against the Chargers a couple weeks ago and uh, on a two-point conversion, and I had no problem with that. Maybe you could question the play call. Maybe they should have done something differently. They had two cracks at it after a penalty. Uh, but uh, I, I have no problem with aggression, and mostly because I saw what it did for the Eagles last year on their way to the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson was aggressive on fourth down. We saw that in the Super Bowl when they ran that Philly-Philly play for a touchdown in the 
final minute of the first half on fourth and goal. Uh, so, I, you know, having seen what that does and how that helps the team when you show confidence in them over the long haul, I think that's a good thing. So I have no problem uh, with what Frank Reich did in that situation against, uh, uh, you said, the Texans. So I have no problem with that at all. I, I, I don't have a problem with him not going for the tie and going for a win at all. Well, let's kind of go through these games. We'll try to get through as many as we can. The, the, Lions, the Lions are at the, at the Bears. A lot of people like the Bears here. They're 5-3. and three. Uh, The Detroit Lions are 3-5. and five. Uh, Certainly, uh, I, I know that uh, uh, Pat, Patricia is uh, still trying to figure things out with the Lions. they got a first-year coach. Uh, you got Mitchell Trubisky at the helm uh, with the Chicago Bears. A lot of people like the Bears at home this weekend. Yeah, I was disappointed in the Lions last week. I thought they would give the Vikings – I thought they would beat the Vikings last weekend, and they, they weren't really even close to beating them. So, uh, you know, maybe that was a Golden Tate effect, and I saw they signed a receiver whose name escapes me to replace Golden Tate now. Um, you know, they I, – I don't know. I just don't know where the Lions go from here. And, I, you know, I do think the Bears are still playing for that uh, that NFC North title, maybe a wild card spot. Uh, but they're still in the thick of it. I think the Lions, you know, maybe had the wind taken out of their sails when you trade a guy like Golden Tate, popular guy in the locker room, Matt Stafford's uh, security blanket. You know, we saw what it did to the Raiders when they traded Khalil Mack. Uh, You know, on the surface, everything's well and good. Players will say the right things. Coaches will say the right things. But, you know, inside that locker room, it's a different story. And maybe the Lions had a hard time, uh, you know, getting up for that game against the Vikings. But I I just don't know where they go from here at 3-5 and with Matt Patricia still kind of, uh, you know, feeling his way through this organization. I think the Bears will win uh, this game pretty pretty easily. So Arizona Cardinals come into Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this is nothing but a, a another day at the office for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Arizona Cardinals are terrible. Kansas City Chiefs are at home. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. This is nothing more than another day at the office for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. You're right. It should be. Uh, you never know how teams approach games. If they overlook the Cardinals, maybe the Cardinals can stay around for a half and build some confidence and make this close. I doubt it. I think, you know, the Chiefs look like they're on a mission, and I don't think that playing at home, their home crowd will let them, uh, you know, sort of overlook them if they do. I think they'll find a way to pull them out of it, the crowd I'm talking about. So I think the Chiefs win this game. I don't know what the point spread is, but, I, you know, I would lay whatever points it is and take the Chiefs in this game. Well, I think it's way out there. We'll get to Moa. I think it's like seven or something, but it's way it's way up there. Uh, the, Vegas yeah. definitely tipped the scales on, on, on this game. Hey, you know, Colts fans will never freely admit to you that they were, are rooting for the Patriots. But this is one weekend where they might say, secretly, I'll whisper in your ear, I'm, I'm rooting for the Patriots because they're playing Tennessee in a tight, tight division race between Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. So I lost uh, to the, the, the Titans in a, in a win for the for, for the Indianapolis Colts. Puts the Indianapolis Colts in a very good position in the AFC South. So I would say, whether they admit it or not, all Colts fans are rooting for the New England Patriots against the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Yeah, and I, and, I, and it's a good route. I think uh, you know I think the Patriots coming off that big game, that really hyped up game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last week. Um, you know, who knows what, you know, what kind of uh, shape they'll be in mentally for this game. And uh, I believe it's on the road, right, in Tennessee. And I know the Titans are in, in on a short week after playing Monday night. But, uh, you know, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And Mariota is getting rid of the ball quick. I know he got sacked, 
I think, 11 times against the Vikings two weeks ago. Uh, but he learned from that. The offense learned from that. He's got, he got rid of the ball quicker against Dallas. And the Dallas defense, they can put pressure on the quarterback. And Mariota did a good job of avoiding that pressure by getting rid of the ball quick and making smart decisions. And, you know, I think the Patriots can be had here. I, I thought the Packers would, would beat the Patriots in New England. I, I was impressed with that victory. But, you know, we'll see where the Patriots are mentally coming into this game after, you know, being hyped up all week and getting ready for the Packers. And, you know, now you kind of catch your breath and, and maybe the Titans catch them at the right time. I, it's going to be a big ask for the Titans to win, but I don't think it's out of the question. Well, we go here to the New Orleans Saints. They're at Cincinnati. Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, the Saints are just doing everything right. They're 7-1. and one. they got a great quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterbacks of all time, uh, certainly uh, breaking records of Peyton Manning recently. Uh, so you got to got to give every credit to the to the New Orleans Saints organization. Uh, they go into the Cincinnati Bengals 5-3. and three. Uh, Nothing to get excited about or ride home about about the Bengals this year again. I think this is just a box that's checked off for the, for the Saints. Yeah, again, you know, I just talked about the Patriots and that, you know, possibly having a little letdown after uh, the Packers game. You know, you might be able to say the same thing about the Saints. You know, they they had a big game last week against the Rams, huge hype game. They just gave the Rams their first loss uh, of the season. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of a letdown going into uh, Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals are good enough to beat this Saints. They just need some things to go right for them, and maybe they will. Maybe the Saints will come in, uh, you know, a little bit let down after that game against the Rams last week. Big win. Uh, they play the Eagles at home uh, the following week. Uh, obviously, a big game in the NFC. Uh, so this could be a good spot for the Bengals to, to pull an upset. In fact, if I if I had to pick an upset special this week, I'd probably go with the Bengals uh, to beat the Saints. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NFL contributor, uh, talking about some NFL games while we still got you here. i tell you what, two things in common, uh, week five between these two teams. The NFL Falcons have not lost since week five, and they've got a, a very hot Matt Ryan. The Cleveland Browns are operating the term coach. Uh, they have not won since week five. But the Atlanta Falcons go in uh, to Cleveland uh, you would think this is a good game for Atlanta to win, but talking about statement-making games, this would be a good statement-making game if the Browns could find a way to win at home tomorrow. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe week two of the uh, Greg Williams interim era is better than week one. I know there's a lot of turmoil leading up to their game last week after uh, the firing of Hugh Jackson. Um, you know, maybe – Players have come to grips with that. Greg Williams and his staff has come to grips with that. Uh, we'll see. I, I think you pointed out, though, you know, Matt Ryan is very hot. The Falcons need every win they can get at this point to get into the postseason. This is a bigger game, obviously, uh, for them than, than it is the Browns. And I, I think the Falcons will win this game. But when you play a team like the Browns with all that young talent, uh, you know, you just don't know when they're going to put it all together leading into a game or even during a game. Uh but I think they need to do things with Baker Mayfield a little differently. They need to get him a little more comfortable, a little more established, and and let him carry them. And that defense, I like the defense, but I just think playing against Matt Ryan, I just think it's too big of an ask for the Browns this week. I think they'll play well, but I think the Falcons will find a way to win. 
Well, we look at a, a close game. They're probably between the Redskins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they're, they're at home. There's a three-point favorite. You want to co- probably get with the home team on this. The Redskins uh, lineup is completely decimated. And at the same time, you uh, you, you look at Tampa Bay putting it back in. Fitz Magic, uh, after uh, do, paying their allegiance uh, to, uh, to to Winston, if you will, and that uh, Fitzpatrick is leading the squad, he could do some damage. He's at home. Uh, and they explain the Washington Redskins. So I, I, I think that I like Tampa Bay in this game. Yeah, I'll tell you, the Redskins, they uh, they are decimated. Their offensive line took took some hits last week. And, uh, you know, that could impact the way Adrian Peterson uh, is able to run the ball. AP's been terrific, uh, you know, in the first six, seven weeks. We'll see how he does now with a couple of those key pieces missing up front. We'll see how he does. You know, now we are in the midpoint of the season, how his body holds up, uh, you know, to the wear and tear that it's absorbed the first half. He's a little on the older side as a running back. I think he's 33 years old. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, I, I like Fitch Magic. I, yeah, I just like the nickname, I guess. I mean, I love that nickname, Fitch Magic. So uh, he is a big quarterback. He, <laughs> you know, playing at home, you know, the, the – Bucks coaches are trying to save their job. Redskins seem to be kind of going the other way. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks will will find a way uh, to get this job done. I, again, I, I think it's going to be another close game, but I think you know Fitzmagic in the end is going to pull that one out. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Ed, I know you said that ten thirty was about your stopping point. Do you have to go, or do you do you want to stick around? Or yeah, I should probably jump off here, Tom. Uh, Okay. Things I got to get done. So, uh, thanks again. Enjoy the games. And we'll we'll talk with you soon, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend. You got it. You too. Thanks. Ed Kratz, official beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official balance contributor. You can find Ed's work uh, at the Sport Exchange, www.footballmaven.io/eagles. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us, sir. Got any snow in your neck of the woods? Yeah, we got about uh, uh, an inch of snow yesterday. We have no snow here. They say it's coming, but it's just going to be a dusting. But it's enough to let us know that uh, winter is on the way. That's uh, not only the scene from uh, uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. There we go. We'll get it. We'll get it straight. I've asked everybody who's came on today, so we'll just uh, keep the, the trend going. Aren't we glad, no matter what side of fence you land on, that Tuesday has come and gone, and we can stop with these uh, commercials? I am. I was so over hearing about Donnelly and Braun. I know you're in Indiana as well. Donnelly and Braun in Indiana. It just got to be sickening, brother. Glad it's over. Yeah, it got uh, it got old real quick, like. So we were uh, just kind of going through some of the games, uh, and I know we typically talk with you about um, the games. So what we'll kind of do on these NFL games, and we'll just kind of go through and just kind of basically talk with what Vegas talking about. And, and so we, we we stopped at the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Rarely uh, can a favorite team suddenly lose a starting quarterback just before the games. Well, that's exactly what happened with the Jets. You look at the Jets and you look at the Bills, uh, they, they, they both uh, um, suck. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, but, uh, but the Jets were favored seven and a half, uh, but I think that line has moved a little bit to three now uh, 
with the, with the loss of Sam Darnold. What are your thoughts on the Jets and the Bills? Are you still there? Mo? Maybe Mo. Mo, can you hear us? Well, we lost Mo. Man, we've been having all kinds of phone issues today. Uh, we we're going to effort to get him back here in just a moment. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, – let me see if we can't get him back. We do have him back now. All right, Mo, are you back with us? Yeah, it must have been you talking about political commercials. My phone just gave up and tapped out, I guess. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. Cannot take it anymore. Well, I was just uh, talking a little bit about the Bills and and, and the and the Jets. The, the 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 Jets were favored by seven and a half. Sam Darnelson now is out. That moved the line back to about a three point uh, advantage. You got to go with the home team. Both the Bills and the Jets suck, but who sucks worse? Tomorrow, I think it's going to be the Bills. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, the Bills offense for sure. Peterman's terrible. I mean. How bad does this this staff in the front office look by, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of A.J. McCarron and keeping Nathan Peterman and thinking he was the guy? I mean, it was terrible last year when they put him in over Tyrod Taylor uh, and when they were on their way to the playoffs. And it's just it's unbelievable how uh, how, how terrible that, uh, that this Bills team is after being in the playoffs last year. You know, a guy maybe they should look at trading for that might work in their system would be Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, that seemed to play pretty well there, and I bet Bills fans uh, would give anything to have Tyrod Taylor back right now. So let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we talked with Ed a little bit about that as far as the, the game perspective. Uh, but at the same time, uh, this is a game that ha- has a very tight spread. I, uh, it's like three, I think. And I believe that we are at home, I think, about – let me think about that, but I think we're at home. But anyway, J- Jacksonville and Indianapolis, both three and five. Uh, yes, we're at home. So he- here's a great scenario for you. First of all, talk with us a little bit about the line on this. I, th- I think you would want to go ahead and put your money on the Indianapolis Colts or steer clear of this. But think about this. No, I don't think any self-respecting Colts fan is going to tell you publicly they are rooting for the New England Patriots this weekend. But here's a, a scenario for you. The New England Patriots plays the Tennessee Titans at Tennessee. New England Patriots should win. They're a favorite to win. That's a loss to uh, the, the, uh, the Titans. The, the Colts get a win. That puts them at four and five. And uh, so I think this is a crucial matchup in the AFC South time. You've got Tennessee uh, versus New England. You've got uh, uh, us versus Jacksonville. A win with the Indianapolis Colts and a loss to the Tennessee Titans really sets up the Indianapolis Colts to, to start checking boxes. It's not unrealistic to think that, that, that they could get a wild card slot if they just come to work, do what they're supposed to do, build on the momentum, and continue to get better and focus on each game, one game at a time, and check off the boxes. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I don't think the Colts' defense is good enough. I don't think they have enough weapons on offense. Andrew Locke has played uh, great considering all the um, all, all the things that he's had to overcome and, and just the lack of, of people on uh, of weapons to throw to. Uh, but the defense to me, it, when it gets in the games with teams that have even a, a good offense, the Colts uh, tend to, to fall apart, and that's uh, that's what's holding them back at this point. Um, you know, I, I think even if they beat Jacksonville, 
at this point, I don't think they're going to catch Houston. I don't think the Colts at this point are better than Houston, and because uh, Houston is good on both sides of the ball, which the Colts are not right now. And I mean, as a Colts fan, I don't, I don't think that I would want. I, I would rather finish below 500, have a better draft pick than finish an eight and eight. You know, and I, I don't, I don't think that, and then I think that that may be a realistic uh, goal for this team is an eight and eight team. Uh, but you know the the schedule doesn't get uh, get easier for the Colts. That's for sure. Uh, so I think the Colts can win this football game this weekend. But uh, uh, realistically, and uh, getting in the playoffs, I just I don't see it for this football team right now. Well, and, you, and you're probably right, you know. But uh, you know, we got we got to just we got to we got to we got to dream. How big of a how big of a of a factor we'll get back online here just as far as knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. We get into some of these college games, but. Uh, how big of a factor are we going to get haunted by a ghost from the past when Frank Reich basically could have had a tie with the Texans and ended up with a loss? Divisionally speaking, looking at what we're looking at now, are we going to get haunted from that ghost? A lot of people are still talking about it. I think that Frank Reich did the right thing. I'm not a big fan of ties. I don't think a lot of people are. But how big of a factor was that decision going to haunt us now? Zero, because I don't think the Colts get even close to catching the Texans. I think that's that's going to be the problem uh, for the Colts. So uh, I would I like Frank Reich's decision. I don't think you play for a tie. I think you play for a win, and I don't think it affects the Colts going forward because I don't think I don't think they catch Houston and you even get close to catching them in this division. Let's go into some college football games. Uh, certainly, Florida State is at uh, is at. Uh, Florida State is at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is number three. Clemson is number two. Michigan is number four. In theory, the Florida State Seminoles can beat can, – I mean, in theory, let me backtrack. In theory, Notre Dame can beat the Florida State Seminoles. Okay, so Michigan can't afford a loss. Georgia can't afford a loss. Notre Dame can't afford a loss. So let's talk about these, these games today. Uh, as far as money-wise and point spreads-wise, I don't have the point spread up, so we'll just kind of have to go with your gut feeling on this. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame's going to be the favorite at home against the Florida State, but let's let's kind of break down the, that three-four slippery slope, if you will, with college football because that's really where where the uh, uh, committee's looking at. It. And let's let's face it, we know for a fact that the SC, that the committee wants an, a, another SEC team in in the in the playoff. That's just how how they roll. So. Uh, let's talk about Florida State at Notre Dame. What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, I mean, if you look at if you look at this matchup before the season started, it seemed like a, a great matchup. But now, uh, you know, it's not going to be a very fun game to watch. I don't believe. You know, Florida State's terrible. Uh, the interesting thing will be uh, with uh, with Ian Book out for Notre Dame and Brandon Winbush starting, the former starter. Uh, how hard will he push it to try to prove something today? And I think that's where that's where Notre Dame could get in trouble uh, if there's trouble to be had because uh, when Bush does tend to turn the ball over, he is a better runner. Uh, he's a better athlete than, than he had booked, but not a better passer. Uh, so that's where Notre Dame could get into trouble. If, if Brandon Woodbush comes out, the adrenaline's uh, pumping a lot, and he wants to uh, show something to Coach Brian Kelly and, and tends to get Notre Dame in trouble. So that would be the only way I would see Notre Dame losing this football game would be that way. Uh, it's a double-digit point spread, but with a backup quarterback, I, I would still stay away from it. I mean, there could be a, another Dame uh, roll, like uh, Florida State's gotten rolled the last couple of weeks, but just with a backup quarterback with Brandon Woodbush in there, I don't, uh, I don't put my money on this game. 
So Notre Dame's at number three. Michigan's at number four. Georgia's at number five. Uh, Georgia would love to move up to the number four slot. You would think that Michigan can win and Georgia both can win. So I think it's going to come down to the amount of points. I think Michigan has a better chance of getting more points against Rutgers uh, than than Georgia uh, does against Auburn. Uh, so who gets the – does it stay the same? If, if, both, if both teams win, Georgia and Michigan win – uh, the committee is going to want to put uh, uh, Georgia up to that number four slot. Uh, how big of a win does Michigan have to have to hang on to that four slot? Uh, I mean, they need to beat Rutgers, but, uh, you know, at this point I think that the committee is okay with it because right now they, the committee knows that, uh, that Michigan and Ohio State play, and Ohio State's far enough back that if they beat Michigan, they're not going to leap from Georgia. So Georgia's safe right now in that five spot. I believe that uh, that uh, uh, because we're going to see Georgia and, Florida, and uh, Alabama face off in the SEC championship, so I, I think everything's set right now the way it can be. I, they can't, uh, they obviously can't, uh, you know, beat Rutgers by seven points and be okay. Georgia rolls Auburn, but uh, I, I think that uh, the, the, everything will stay the same as long as both teams handle their business today and do it like they should. Uh, just because you know you get that big matchup with uh, with Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship, and you're going to have uh, Ohio State and, and Michigan play uh, coming up Thanksgiving weekend. So here's the thing: if if we want to play devil's advocate here and 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 think for a moment that Boston College can beat Clemson, Clemson number two, Boston College number seventeen. Last year, we remember that Boston College rolled all over Notre Dame. Uh, so Boston College certainly has weapons. I mean, they. they they're ranking the top 25. They're doing something right. Uh, one logically would think that they can't beat Clemson, but let's play the devil's advocate here for a moment. Let's say that Boston College beats Clemson today. Notre Dame beats Florida State. Does Notre Dame move up to Notre uh, number two? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I think if everybody, if everybody handles their business today, I think everything stays exactly the same. I don't think there's any reason to move to move pieces around at this point. Uh, you know Notre Dame. Uh, their strength of schedule has been better this year. You know they've got the they've got the win against Michigan head to head. You know that's what will be interesting if, if Michigan and, and, and Notre Dame both wind up with one loss. How does the committee look at that? Do they factor in the head to head, or do you factor in when they lost and who they lost to? So you know that could be that could be the uh, the fun part coming down to the uh, to the end if Notre Dame does have a loss. Let's say they lose to USC. Uh, you know do they uh, Michigan finishes with one loss? How do they factor that in with Michigan's one loss being against Notre Dame? So that's where some fun could, could wind up. Uh, the fun will be to see who, who winds up at five, six, and seven this week because those are the teams just waiting to pounce on one of those top four spots. Uh, so, uh, you know, the fun is going to start to start to happen in that five, six, and seven spot. Let's move back over to the NFL. Obviously, the Chargers six and two at Oakland one and seven might have a situation there. Uh, I know the NFL is monitoring that situation. There's some fires up in Northern California, but we, as we as we talked about, the, uh, uh, the the gig is up. The Oakland Raiders have officially let everybody know that for 2019. Uh, so fire or no fire, there's not going to be any fire on the field against uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers. Still want to say San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't know that it's all 100% taken. I think this team's terrible on top of it. I, I think uh, John Gruden has kicked off a lot of people in the locker room. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, here's the thing about it. You can have a ton of draft picks and build through the draft, but you have to have a history of drafting good. And I think that that's where 
that's where it, they could struggle because Gruden hasn't been the best drafter. So I think that uh, accumulating all these picks is great if you've got a front office that, that can use them correctly. Uh, if you have a guy like John Dorsey in Cleveland who used the draft very well last year to help start to build this football team in Cleveland. So uh, the Raiders uh, are partly taken and partly just terrible uh, all around. Uh, the Chargers are continue to get better on offense each and every week. Uh, they've had some devastating injuries on the defensive side of the ball, but when Joey Bosa comes back, I, I think you're going to see this uh, this Chargers team just be a force to be reckoned with. The Packers are having such a terrible year, three, four, and one, and the Dolphins are starting to turn things around. Did we really think we were going to be talking about the Dolphins being able to beat the Packers? And this is not the time of year that we want the Dolphins to be making a turn because the Indianapolis Colts are going to be facing them soon too. Dolphins seem to be doing something right. What's going on in Packerland? Some tough losses at times, you know, uh, some bad decisions. And a hobble there at Rodgers, you know, since week one. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have a decent record, but it's, it's smoke and mirrors in my estimation. They've they've lost games that they shouldn't have lost, and they've beat teams that they're supposed to beat who are bad teams. So, uh, to me, this Miami Dolphins team is, is, is not good. They're, it's smoke and mirrors as far as that goes. And, you know, the Packers, they, they've had a tough schedule. You know, they've lost games, uh, games to the Rams, and, uh, you know, so and they've got uh, – They've got a, a pretty uh, a pretty stout uh, uh, NFC uh, division to play. So I, I think it's just a combination of the Packers don't have a ton of great personnel on offense. Uh, I think that it's partly, you know, Aaron Rodgers' injury, and I think there's some turmoil there uh, between Aaron Rodgers and, and the head coach, Mike McCarthy, and the front office. So I think that that all factors into it. Uh, uh, the Packers, obviously, like you said, having uh, a year that we didn't expect, but uh, you know, don't cut it out because they're they're definitely a team that could be wrecking some playoff futures of teams coming the end of the season. You know, let's talk a little. We'll revisit a game that Ed and I talked about earlier, and that is the Falcons and the uh, Browns. The Browns have not won since Week Five, and the and the Falcons have not lost since Week Five. The Browns are playing with an interim coach. Uh, they're playing at home. They need a statement win. But Matt Ryan is pretty hot. What are your thoughts about uh, the Falcons coming into uh, Cleveland Browns uh, again? That Week Five has something in common. The Falcons haven't lost since Week Five, and the and the Browns haven't won since Week Five. Well, I think it's going to be the key to the game is going to be on the uh, offensive line of Cleveland being able to give Baker Mayfield time for this offense to keep up with Atlanta. Uh, Cleveland has a bunch of injuries uh, on defense, especially in the defensive backfield. So I think that's going to hurt them trying to slow down this uh, this Falcons offense. Uh, so it's going to be up to Baker Mayfield that offense to be able to keep up. And we saw last week that the offensive line just was not giving Baker time to try to keep up with that Kansas City offense. So to me, uh, the key is going to be the offensive line. Can they get better this week and give Baker more time uh, on offense to try to keep up? The defensively, uh, you know, Cleveland's got some issues uh, as far as uh, as far as that secondary and if you're the linebacking core. So, uh, you know, trying to get healthy uh, by tomorrow will be a key for the defense. But that, that offensive line giving Baker Mayfield uh, time and, and the uh, uh, you know integrating Duke Johnson back into the lineup and back into the offense. I, th- I think you saw. You know, with Duke Johnson having two touchdowns last week, uh, it, it, it was uh, – I couldn't believe that Todd Haley wasn't using him, at, you know, basically at all, uh, you know, while he was the offensive coordinator. So, I think that will help uh, Baker, too, is being able to throw those uh, short passes uh, to Duke Johnson uh, this week as well. So, uh, it will just all be – can they keep up with uh, with Atlanta's offense? Atlanta's offense has been on the tear, like you said. So, uh, it should be a fun game, but uh, if, if Atlanta gets out to a couple touchdown lead, that's where things will start to look bleak for the Cleveland Browns. 
I think everybody agrees the Los Angeles Rams are the uh, real Los Angeles team this year. Who would have thought it? But they're the best in the NFL right now. They're just checking off boxes. They're going to be in the Super Bowl. I mean, if you just want to look at the, at the trend that they're at now, obviously things change a lot in the playoffs. People play a lot differently. The Rams haven't been there in a while, but we'll see what, what happens. But the Seahawks uh, are, are just uh, – Mediocre at best, as we have said before, he'd be really good or he'd be really bad. Don't be mediocre. And that's exactly what the Seattle Seahawks are. Uh, Los Angeles Rams are at home against the Seahawks. They just check off a box tomorrow. Yeah, but it's a game I think many-wise I would stay away from. It's a it's a nine-point spread, uh, which you remember that the last game, it came down to the wire uh, when they played in Seattle earlier this year. So uh, I think the Rams win the football game. I think they bounced back from the loss last week at New Orleans. And to me, it's an important game for, for the Rams as well because at this point, uh, I think you know the NFC could come down to who has home field advantage in the playoffs. So uh, it's important for the Rams to keep pace by uh, winning this football game. I don't know that I would bet the Rams this game because of a nine-point spread, uh, but I definitely think the Rams win this football game. Let's revisit a game that Ed and I talked about earlier. Quite obviously, we did. And that is uh, th- this rivalry, this game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Jimmy, Cowboys owner, came out this week and said, Zach Prescott is our quarterback. He's going to get an extension. Well, we'll see what happens. The Philadelphia Eagles are four and four. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are three and five. The Philadelphia Eagles, at best, are having a, a Super Bowl hangover, if you will. Uh, they're at home against the Eagles. It doesn't really matter what the records. It's screw, screw the record. This is going to be a bath, hostile territory uh, for the Dallas Cowboys to come in. Talk with us a little bit about this game, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Well, I'm not sure uh, what Ed's feelings were on it, but. Uh... You know, to me, I think, you know, with Sean Lee out again uh, for Dallas at, at linebacker, I think that the Eagles could score points. And I think the big difference is, is that you've got a team in Dallas who played, you know, last week late, uh, and you've got a, a team in, in Philadelphia who was off and had a chance to work, you know, more with Golden Tate and factor him into the offense. So they acquired him at a perfect time. Uh, I think, the you know, Dallas continues to have trouble making plays on the field in the passing game. And, you know, when, when the Eagles' defense could key 80% of their time on Ezekiel Elliott, I think Dak's going to have to make plays to guys like Amari Cooper and Cole Beasley in order to try to win this football game because I think it's going to be another game where Dallas is going to have to try to keep up uh, – their offense is going to have to try to keep up with Philadelphia's offense. And I think Philadelphia can score and probably score a lot on this Dallas defense. I like Philadelphia in this game by at least a touchdown. One more final game, and then we'll get into a little bit of NBA talk before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Which team sucks more? The New York uh, Giants at one and seven, and the San Francisco 49ers at two and seven. I think clearly uh, we're going to see the, the end of the Eli Manning era. That's for sure. But my gosh, who sucks worse, the the New York Giants or the San Francisco 49ers? Well, if you want to believe Odell Beckham, he thinks they're going to win eight straight and win the NFC East. So, uh, you know, talent-wise on paper. The Giants should be, you know, in the playoff picture right now because they've got talent and a lot of it. Uh, it's just it hasn't come together these last couple of years. They've just been terrible all around. And I, I think it's the point where they do move on from Eli, but I think they've got other issues as well. Uh, you know, and, and San Francisco rallied around their third-string quarterback last week. And, uh, you know, they've been they've, – they, ever since Jimmy Garoppolo went out, they haven't given up on games. You know, they've – They've gotten beaten some games, but they haven't given up. And that's, that's the thing you want to see. That's the difference, I think, between these two teams is the heart. I think San Francisco has heart, and the Giants don't. 
I wouldn't be shocked to see the Giants win the game, but I, I think the, maybe the heart of San Francisco uh, could outmatch what the Giants could do. Talent-wise, I think the, it definitely swings towards the Giants, but you know, sometimes the heart is a little bit more important, and the San Francisco team definitely has heart. Let's uh, talk a little bit about sportsmanship in the NBA. Gordon Hayward uh, comes back to Salt Lake City, and he gets booed. I think that was in poor taste, especially if we think back about the, the huge injury that he had. I, as we know, that he, they, he was their superstar. He left. I guess he maybe he, he pulled a Paul George uh, with them and left uh, the Jazz for it to, to uh, uh, have a reunion with his college uh, basketball coach, Brad Stevens, at Boston. And I think a lot of people would say now that LeBron James is out west, uh, that the East clearly belongs to Boston. But was it right of the fans to just give a, a, a huge – I mean, it was so loud – that it was over the announcers were having a hard time being heard because of the boos of Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I mean, I think it was okay because when you're a small market team and you have a superstar and the first chance they get that they bolt, I think that, that, that pisses people off. You know, they see the small market teams lose their superstars continually to big markets. I think it's frustrating. So, Injury or not, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see a problem with them booing him yesterday, and, and I think he probably expected that. You know, it's the uh, first chance he got, he was off, and they were building something small and something spectacular there in Utah. You know, they were, they were a team that was, uh, that was doing pretty well in the playoffs with, uh, with Gordon Hayward on that basketball team. So I can see why they were ticked. And if you imagine having Gordon Hayward on that Utah team now, boy, what a fun team that would be with Donovan Mitchell and uh, Ingles. So I don't blame him one bit for booing him. So I don't think it's as bad news as, as a lot of people were thinking at first with Stephen Kerr. Uh, Kerr uh, Steve Kerr, sorry, he left a certainly Warrior star, left the Milwaukee Bucks uh, game on Thursday with a uh, some sort of a strain. It appears that after the MRI that he'll, he's going to be able uh, to come back. But how big, it, how big of an impact is a loss of Stephen Kerr to the Golden State Warriors, especially – uh, whether we like it or not, uh, LeBron James is LeBron James, and he's at the L.A. Lakers, and we'll see what happens there. But certainly uh, the, the, it, it, you would think that the, the Warriors need guys like Steve Kerr on, on the floor. Well, I mean, you know, an abductor strain is not something super terrible, which is what Steph Curry has. Uh, you know, but it's so early in the season, and they get so much scoring for so many other places. Right now I think, I think Steph, uh, you know, Missing even missing five or six games isn't terrible for the Warriors, especially when you got a guy like Kevin Durant, who's probably one of the better scorers, if not the best scorer in the NBA. Uh, you know, Quay Thompson went for 50 a week and a half ago. Excuse me, Steph Draymond Green. Uh, and don't forget, you know, come February, you got Demarcus Cousins coming back for this basketball team as well. So early on in the season, I don't think it's bad. It, it, all that matters is that Steph Curry is healthy when come playoff time for the Golden State Warriors. So final game, I'll let you go. It sounds like you're you're dealing with the same question that I'm dealing with, that Steve was dealing with. Uh, but, uh, hey, let's talk about the Pacers. Uh, last year, we didn't have any expectations for them at all. They had a great season, and, and you know, all right. Now they're coming in this season. We have a lot of expectations. Certainly, yes, they, they had – they shut down the heat for a, for a late victory, 110 to 102. Uh, but – at the same time, I think we we are need to kind of go back to where we were at at the beginning of the season last year with the Pacers. Have a little bit more patience with them. Not get so impatient with the Pacers. A lot of Pacer fans are getting a little antsy. It's still very early. Well, and you can't get antsy because you know Victor Oladipo, as he goes, the Pacers go. You know he has no 
no other superstar to join him on that basketball team. There are guys who are very good. I mean, Sabonis looks like a complete steal from in that Oklahoma uh, trade as well. But, you know, Tyreek Evans can score the basketball, but there's no other superstar on this basketball team. Like a, other, a bunch of these other good teams have, you know, uh, like Gordon Hayward has a, a Kyrie and a Tatum. You know, there is none of that uh, with this basketball team. So you've got to give patience because, you know, the other thing is Victor Oladipo still learning how to be a superstar in this league. Last year he broke out. Now he's learning how to be a superstar. And, and that changes. That changes for guys and it changes how they play the game. So, you know, as, as this team goes, well, they go as Victor Oladipo goes. And so you're right, people have to be patient because they, they, they're still a, a missing piece away from really being a factor, uh, you know, I, I think in the East because you look at Toronto, you look at Boston, and those teams have multiple superstars, whereas Indiana has a guy who's still learning how to be a superstar. So, yeah, Pacers fans definitely need to be patient. This team's going to be fun. Uh, they're quick. They're going to score a lot of points, and they're going to be in every game. Uh, but, uh, you know, sooner or later, Victor Oladipo is going to, uh, you know, to have off nights, and that's going to be bad for the Pacers. So uh, they're going to have to work on getting somebody else in to, to compliment him, and hey, that'll be a big thing either at the trade deadline or in the offseason is, is getting that other complimentary piece for Victor Oladipo. All right, well, let's wrap it up and put a bow on it, Bo, for the BS Sports Show. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, I hope you get your, your cold gets to fill in a little bit better there. Where can people find your work in your masterpieces, sir? Uh, today, uh, late in bed. Uh, but tomorrow, <laughs> back on Twitter at Bo Radio Show. <laughs> okay, buddy. All right, you have yourself a good week, and we'll talk with you soon. All right, buddy, you too. Both of the BS Sports Show. Thank you to Matthew Embry uh, jumping on, talking some college football uh, with us, as, as well as the NASCAR uh, talk as well with Steve Wilson, uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Mark Wasdale, Presidente. We'll do this thing called the Balance next Saturday morning right here on the Balance Radio Network. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. <laughs> Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.